Hey everyone, I'm Brian Kelly, the Points Guy, and welcome to a very special episode of Talking Points. You know, Talking Points is TPG's flagship podcast series where I host conversations with big thinkers, disruptors, and executives in and around the travel industry. Most of the time we record from our headquarters in New York City, but this time we recorded live from the incredible Delta Flight Museum. We held a reader event for the first time in Atlanta. I know, I know, it took a while, but it was fun, trust me. The turnout was awesome. We had about 250 readers show up and we raised over $10,000 for Rainbow Railroad. We gathered in one of their original hangars built in the 40s and sat right underneath the starboard wing of the Spirit of Delta, a Boeing 767 that the employees of Delta actually purchased. Boy, is she a beauty. The Flight Museum shares some amazing stories around commercial aviation and Delta's history. So if you're in Atlanta or even have a long layover, it's just a five minute quick ride from the terminal. Aviation geeks will love the model airplane room. Joining me on stage is a person responsible for all of Delta's worldwide operations, including, you know, pilots, flight attendants, mechanics, airport and cargo workers, over 70 thousand employees. He's been at Delta for over a decade and with him at the helm, Delta has run the most reliable operation of any big US airline. A pretty impressive record. We talked a lot about how Delta is different from a culture perspective. We don't index on the success or the performance in the good sense. We're all obsessed with how do we just get better and better and better. And Delta's decision behind the A220 and their luck maybe in not adding the 737 MAX to its fleet. Do we buy the MAX or the 321 NEOs? These are always tough decisions. We do tend to look at it holistically though. It's not just a what's the cost piece of the equation for us. And now here's the senior executive vice president and chief operating officer for Delta Airlines, Gil West. Gil's role at Delta, you know, he's been with the airline for over a decade now, so he's got a lot of really interesting feedback on the industry. We're not going to dive deep into Sky Miles tonight. I know we're all points fanatics. Thank God. <laughs> Delta actually won the best loyalty program and a bunch of other awards at our first ever TPG Awards, so congratulations on that. And Delta also, for the last seven months, has had the best on-time performance of the major four U.S. airlines. So congratulations. That's no easy feat. So we're going to start off a little bit easy tonight with a little quick rapid fire. So, Gil, what is your favorite Delta jet to fly and why? Oh, wow. Uh, if our CFO was up here, he would say the MD-80s because they're all paid for. But I would say, um, <laughs> I would say the A350. You know, it is our... It's, it, yeah, long live the 88. There you go. Um, so I, I love the 350. You know, it's great. The suites are great. The cabin's great. The whole aircraft. How many? You guys have a ton of A350s on order. What do you have? We, what, uh, 10 of them now? Well, or, we've got, uh, I think, number 17 oh, now. Oh, 17 now. Yeah, we'll ultimately take at least 25. Oh, nice. Yep. What is your favorite Delta destination to go on a family vacation? Um, well, on a family vacation, I would probably say Fort Myers, Florida is the airport down to Naples, Florida, mainly because my son just bought a brewery down there, so I get free beer, oh, nice. you know. What's the name of the brewery? We look <laughs> it's called Riptide Brewery. Riptide Make brewery. sure you go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to check that out. It's a beer lover. Um, so one of the things I love asking frequent flyers is like, weird pre-flight rituals or things that you do. I know someone taught me years ago to look when you enter the door of a plane, a lot of aircraft have the, uh, 
a manufacturing uh, plate, and I always look at it, and a lot of times people look at me suspiciously, like, why is this guy looking at the serial number of the plane? But um, do you have any weird pre-flight or in-flight rituals? First of all, I get there early. You know, I'm, I don't know what it is. I am just obsessed with never being late, literally. When I get there, I, I walk the airports and usually chat with a lot of the, the airport agents, the flight attendants, and the pilots, ultimately. So for me, that's, I just get really charged up on that part. Do you ever fly incognito, or do you always kind of announce yourself when you're there? You know, I don't know what it is about that. There's some coconut communication system that somehow everybody knows you're coming, you know. It's, uh, there's, there's something odd there. So, I mean, I, I try to, but the reality is we're really like a family here. The culture is something spectacular. Hope you see that as you fly us. So how often are you on the road? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, quite a bit, you know. It seems like you know, once or twice a week somewhere, yeah. So I imagine you're, for, for non-revving and, and positive space, you're pretty high up on the list. <laughs> yeah, well, a little bit. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. I'll see you in a minute. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, let's get into operations. You know, Delta, I think you have out of 700,000 flights, 1,500 or so canceled. How has Delta been able to make itself the airline that performs the best? Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for the question. Thanks for the recognition on behalf of all of us here at Delta. So, you know, first, it's the people. I think everything ultimately comes down to the people. Great culture. And uh, I think you couple that with just the focus of, of the team about excellence, the journey that we've been on, and just really the competitiveness of the team and the mindset that we don't index on the success or the performance in a good sense. We're all obsessed with how do we just get better and better and better. So we kind of look at things through that lens. And we're pretty disciplined with our approach as you've looked around Delta. We have what we call a flight plan that orients all of us around what are we trying to achieve. We're nuts over metrics and goals and measurements and process, and we recap that. We're always looking for opportunities, of course. We survey all of you to death. All that data and feedback gives us a good line of sight of where do we need to work and improve. The execution factor here, EQ, is off the charts with the team. So, you know, it's really a natural act for us, you know, and, and ironically, you know, as you continue on the journey of improvement, it gets harder and harder but I think the team just really thrives on that challenge. Yeah, I've visited a lot of airlines op centers and they made a very clear point to point out that it's operations and customer. It is. Um, and there were, I was surprised to see yep. people on the social media team and yep. PR teams sitting yep. in there. Can you explain the shift and, and what you're trying to accomplish by yeah. merging those teams? Look, we think the foundation you know, of creating a good customer experience is operational excellence. You know, Without that, everything's kind of a house of cards, I would argue. But with, with that foundation, it enables our people really to take that extra step and create a great experience, a memorable experience 
frictionless experience. But we've tried to organize more and more around that. I think big companies and airlines being a part of that, it's natural to create all these silos. And these are, I mean, every piece of the company is a big business by itself. And we've really worked hard to break those silos down where it's more about how do we focus on the customer and the customer experience. So within our operational control center that is the nerve center of the airline, 24-7, 365, We've embedded all our teams in there, so it's not just dispatchers or maintenance uh, troubleshooters or technicians, but it, it's across all aspects of the company, not just the operations, but we have customer care, we have uh, you know, corporate communication, social media, the whole team is embedded there, so everybody that's involved in the company has a presence there. And it's really powerful because as things happen and we're working through the operation, you know, if a flight's canceled or delayed, how do we deal with that from a customer vantage point so we don't just kind of lose sight of what it's really about? And I actually, I had a, I had a somewhat bad experience on a, a regional carrier recently, and I sent in uh, some clear feedback, and actually Ed Bastian's assistant within a day had actually called me because yeah, um, I'm a platinum and it was first class. Is that normal? You know, did they do that because I was a blogger, or <laughs> does that actually happen? <laughs> For other well, people. We were we talking knew, about that in the office. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, if we knew who you were, we would. But, but, but <laughs> Wait, you're saying you didn't know who I was? No, I Are do, you calling but, me a nobody? You know, you know, we've got a customer care organization that really is reaching out, doing the right things. When things happen, of course, as big as we are, as many flights with the weather, et cetera, we try to minimize those things, obviously, and are obsessed about that. But when something happens, we know it's a make-or-break situation with our customers, so we really try to lean in and learn from that, measure how we do on that. And, of course, uh, we're obsessed with net promoter scores and trying to, how do we keep getting better and better? So our service recovery, when we look at that and look at it in terms of how is that as a net promoter score? Because when something goes wrong, naturally you would think that would be a big negative number. The journey we've been on, it's turned into a positive number, even a double-digit positive number as a percent, which is something that is is a guiding light for us from a customer experience. Now, I can tell you, everywhere we look, there's nothing but opportunities in this space, you know. So we, we lean into that with investments where things don't go right, where there are weak points for us. That's where we channel our, our focus and our investment. If someone has a bad experience on Delta, what, what is the best way for them to get that across? Is it just going to Delta.com? Is it calling? Well, there's a lot of channels. What we've tried to do is create numerous channels to do that. The most, I think, most readily available and probably the best channel is our people. So as you see somebody, you know, talk to them about what's going on. They're empowered to help, whether it's flight attendants, agents, and uh, Redcoat certainly is a great, you know, great channel. But we have a customer care organization, and there's a number of channels there, internet, social media, phone calls, emails that we can access as well. The survey is another good feedback tool for us. The data behind that, the ability to cut it, personalize it. When you score us a one, believe me, we're all over it. When you score us a five, we're, we're mining the data, the comments, and we're really about how do we go after to improve. Let's talk about culture. I fly all carriers globally, and... Um, Something that does stick out to me about Delta flight attendants specifically, and even pilots. I mean, I, I'm more often than any other carrier, Delta pilots come out to greet the cabin. Um, actually, at LaGuardia this morning, the gate agent said, Mr. Kelly, thank you for being platinum medallion as she's scanning and has a line of people. How do you create a service culture? So many people think, you know, 
airline employees are just surly, right? How have you made Delta employees in large different? Well, I've been called worse than surly, but um, the uh, yeah, I think I think for us we've got a little different a little different model in principle. First, it's about our people. We take care of our people, the Delta family, and in turn, they're enabled to take care of our customers. You know, so I mean, we're we're ultimately after the customer experience, but we do it through our people and the culture that we build and view that as the essential element. So as a service culture, if you don't take care of your people, you're not gonna get good service, it's really that simple. So we invest in the people, we're, we're fortunate that we can be very selective of the people we hire, the training investments, the tools that we give them, and most importantly, the ability to empower them to do things. That, you and you know, do profit sharing, which is somewhat... Uh, we do, yeah. yeah. So yeah. do you so, think that's a big factor yeah, in keeping people... I mean, look, I mean, our people have to share in the success of the company. So we have reward systems. Some of those are monthly rewards. The biggest that you mentioned is our profit sharing. So we're the only, only company in the world in history to ever pay a billion dollars of profit sharing to our employees. This year should be the sixth year of us doing that, you know, in a row. So we invest in the business, obviously, but, you know, people have to share in it. What would you recommend if someone has an amazing experience with a Delta employee? Um, I know a lot of times we will complain, but, and it doesn't matter if I send an email saying this flight attendant was great, is that actually going to help oh, yeah. that person? Oh, no, for sure, yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, the feedback's great. I mean, in any sense, but the compliments are much appreciated at a personal level. So honestly, just telling them that is, you know, amazing impact. The surveys are another good way to do it. Just put a name in there, you know, flight attendant, we'll, we'll circle back with them. But, you know, the face-to-face -face or dropping some, you know, a flight attendant or a gate agent a note, I, it's unbelievable the impact it has, or letter, those kind of things are much, much appreciated. Let's switch for a second to technology. You know, in operations, uh, technology can be an Achilles heel for a lot of airlines. I know in 2016, Delta had a, a meltdown of its own. How, um, what did you learn from that, and how are you investing in technology to, to guide the way? Yeah, it's a great question. Certainly any of us that were here there never forget that, by the way. But it's, um, you know, it was really a call to action for us. And, uh, you know, we, like anything, we're, we're obsessed in dissecting things to learn lessons from it. Now, there's a lot of big lessons from that event to us. But most importantly was just the basic reliability infrastructure backup systems. We invested a half a billion dollars for the necessary redundancies that we honestly should have had, thought we had to some degree, but didn't have when the power tripped and the switch blew and, you know, things didn't happen as they were designed to. So really caused us to go, all right, what do we have to do and, and let's do it, and we did. But it's also, I think more importantly, probably lit off that digital journey for us and says, okay, that's all well and good, but that's table stakes. So now how do we really take and transform the company from a technology innovation standpoint in the digital space? And, you know, ironically, it happened on power outage and the system loss happened uh, just a few weeks after we hired a new CIO. And I feel for him because he's like, ah, you know. And, but what that was was a catalyst. He hit the wrong button or he something. Hit the right, yeah, you know, he said go and he hit the stop button. But it was, no, it, but it was such an such a important catalyst, you know. I think it accelerated our digital journey years without that. You know, I'm not sure we would have been where we are now. So all the architecture that flowed from that, the API structure, the ability to really invest 
and move towards that. And, you know, now we see it as a competitive advantage that we're really building a lot of momentum around, and there's just a lot more we're doing with technology now. Let's move into the customer experience, like the onboard product and planes, uh, a lot of aviation geeks in here. The suites are now rolling out on, on a lot of, you know, retrofitted planes. Yeah. Have the suites been received as well as you thought they'd be? And what's the overall like customer feedback on that? Yeah, the I mean, it, it's been great feedback. You know, the suites are incredible. Hopefully you all get to enjoy them. But like anything, we're always looking at how do we improve them? You know, so there's little things we look at and we get feedback, obviously from you, from our flight attendants on how do we keep adjusting this and, and make it even better and better. So as we're doing interior modifications or we're buying new aircraft and we're specking the suites or the cabin, all that gets rolled in on an iterative, ongoing basis. So the suites are exceptionally well received, so especially guys, for guys as tall as you I know, are. and I actually fit. <laughs> I was on the inaugural 350 flight to Narita several years ago. That was awesome. You guys made the decision, so you don't have any 737 Maxes and even the 787s with Trent engines, which have been plaguing airlines. So is it just pure luck that you guys have chosen the right fleet, or yeah. how do you... <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, uh, we're one of the biggest Boeing operators in the world, by the way. We love Boeing. We love Airbus. We love competition. As we look through these decisions, like do we buy the Max or the 321 Neos, these are always tough decisions. We do tend to look at it holistically, though. It's not just a what's the cost piece of the equation for us. You know, customer experience, you know, we value. There's other kind of ancillary values that we create through our maintenance engineering groups. We come to the conclusions on a given fleet, but these are really tough decisions. We've got complete confidence in, in Boeing, and I'm sure they're, they're going to work through all, you know, all the issues that they've experienced with, uh, with the MAX, um, and they're, they're extremely capable. We love, we love our Boeing aircraft. Have you guys announced with the 777X what your plans are for that? Do you guys have orders? Well, or? we don't have orders for the 777X. We operate 777s. Yeah. We've got the 200s. It's an incredible aircraft. I, you know, I love it. By the way, I, I mean, as a side, I started my career at Boeing as an engineer, so on the 5767 programs, which are now retiring, so I'm getting, I'm really getting old. Uh, yeah, I think they're, they're incredible aircraft. This yeah. 67 is a great example. But no plans yet for the 77X? Uh, no, not yet. Yeah. We have a big decision to make, though, within probably the next year or so, is, you know, what do we do longer term with our 67s and our 57s? So, there's a number of aircraft types in play. Yeah. The NMA is one of those yeah. that we certainly you look at. You guys have at. started, to, like American has started moving some 767s more domestic than, than European. I know you guys have. We, we have a few. We're yeah. doing interior mods, yeah. as you probably know. We've got a 767-400 interior yeah. mod that we've just prototyped, certified. It's, it's an incredible interior as well. Do you ever foresee a day where Delta would bring back a true first class? International first class has slowly been dying out. Sure. Is that... Yeah as you've seen, really tried to give our customers choices. So we've segmented the cabin. Certainly seating's part of that, um, and you've got your choice. With the Delta One suites in particular, the experience is something we're really leaning into. Food and beverage is a good example. We invest heavily into that. We also, in-flight entertainment, as you know, we've invested heavily into that. We're big believers that you've got to create a great experience. This, I mean, and certainly the longer you fly, the better that experience needs to be. And it's a kind of a never-ending journey yeah. for us, really. And it's, it's not just the product on the aircraft, it's the airport investments yeah. that we make, the people invest. I love your partnership with Clear. That's, I think it was really, you. you guys 
clearly uh, led the way with that before others <laughs> copied you, but I, it saved me 10 minutes this morning, and time is money. Coming up after the break, Gil and I talk travel trends and where he thinks biometrics will fit in five years from now. That's all ahead on part two of Talking Points Live at the Delta Flight Museum. Stay tuned. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome back to Talking Points. This is a special episode recorded live from the Delta Flight Museum in Atlanta at our TPG Reader event. Here again is Gil West, Senior Executive VP and COO for Delta, and me, Brian Kelly, the Points Guy. Um, let's move on. So actually, a former Delta executive just got sworn in as the FAA administrator. I know you, you worked with him, correct? Had the honor of working with him. Let's, yeah. let's talk about the state of air travel in the U.S. I mean, we always hear that air traffic is, you know, we're so far behind. And from an operations perspective, can you ever get to really where you want to be with the current system? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I would first say, I mean, the FAA is committed to improving air traffic control. And ironically, you know, Captain Steve Dixon, that's head of the FAA now, he, he uh, led our flight operations group, our pilots group, and he was on all the working committees, you know, working with the agency and the industry to how, what's, what's our forward-looking view of uh, air traffic control. For us, of course, it's primarily in the Northeast with a congestion, you know, so I think there's two pieces to it. One is better using the tools that are there to manage air traffic control. And I personally think there's a huge opportunity to keep driving that. Technology's the other path. And we've committed resources on site with the FAA to work with them and say, how, you know, what would we do? I mean, take it or leave it, you know, our, our suggestions. But this is how we would manage the ops and the flow and ultimately the throughput of the system. And, uh, you know, it's a really collaborative approach. We don't believe in just, you know, we're not a rock throwers. We're trying to figure out how to, with solutions. And I, I think there's Do you think path. deregulation of air traffic control would drive that, or is that? Yeah, I mean, the industry's debated that. We've had our view of it. You know, look, if that was the fix, I think, you know, we would all say, let's go. At the end of the day, I, I think it's more important on how are we managing with the tools that exist and how do we improve the tools through technology to drive, you know, better throughput, better operational performance. So it's hard to gauge as deregulation a real factor in that. I personally think there's so many other things we can do to drive better air traffic control in the Northeast that, you know, that's on the list. It's always worth looking at, but there's, there's higher priorities yeah. in my mind. Let's look forward five years in travel. Like, what are some of the big trends that you're seeing in travel that are shaping the way you do your job? Great question. I think certainly technology and innovation is transforming the experience, and we're, we're trying to lean into that very heavily. We have innovation centers. We partner venture capital, you know, in Silicon Valley and other places here in Atlanta, actually, with accelerating companies, accelerators and, and uh, startups, so that we're really trying to gather what can we do? Where is innovation in other industries that we can look to and grab best practices? I think our general principle is create 
a frictionless experience for our customers, create a memorable experience for our customers. So we have kind of, uh, you know, guiding lights for us on that path. And we see tons of opportunity. The product itself, the technology, in-flight entertainment as an example. Probably know we created our own in-flight entertainment system that we've deployed. And content, Ed's already messaged, we've got to find a path to free Wi-Fi. You know, those are the kind of things I think that we've just got to create an at-home experience with less friction. The other piece that we've really driven through our digital transformation is to be able to create better tools for our employees. And our employees, I mean, armed with the right information and tools are incredible. That is our competitive advantage. So that personalization of the travel experience, to humanize it, personalize it, you know, it's all about trying to give information and tools to our people. Do you foresee, like, biometrics, I think, could save all of us time? Like, waiting in a TSA line to have a human kind of go, eh, eh, like, yeah. do you no, think in five right. years we'll be walking through airports and That's scanning our, our eyes? Yeah, That's and our vision. And we, by the way, we advocate and try to pilot and ultimately drive that change through the regulators. But absolutely, we, of course, led on uh, biometrics internationally, facial biometrics. We want to drive it domestically, and it's optional. People can yeah. use it or not. Also, that TSA experience in general, we really have a vision of, and we, and we collaborate, again, as partners with the TSA. How do we just create that into a walking experience where you don't have to divest of anything or put bags on conveyors? or How do we create that? We obviously all want safety and security, but how do we transform that experience? And, and any friction in the process from a customer standpoint, I mean, we consume our own product, we see yeah. it, so how do, how do we create that type of experience? Final question, it's a very tough one. Window or aisle seat? Ooh, well, yeah, you know, I've kind of changed over as I've gotten older, I'm more in the aisles now, you know, I'd rather not say why, but that's Raise your hand if you're an aisle. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're a window. It's, it's almost close. Yeah, I don't want to disturb my neighbor trying to get out. Yeah. <laughs> everyone give it up for Gil and everyone at the Delta Flight Museum who's helped us. That's it for this episode of Talking Points, coming to you live from Atlanta and Delta's headquarters. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in weekly to Talking Points and tell your friends. Many thanks to my special guest, Gil West, Senior Executive VP and COO at Delta Airlines and to everyone at the Delta Flight Museum in Atlanta and my dream team at TPG. And thanks to all the TPG readers who came out to this live recording of Talking Points. I'm Brian Kelly. Safe travels, everyone. Okay, let's party. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.